Well, my February 2nd attention just got freed up quite a bit last night as my raven's wings got decidedly clipped. Seems like that's going around with uh, birds around here. So anyway, that's, that's okay. I'm, I'm focused. I'm focused on God, and that's, that's where it needs to be. So anyway, I, I hope you come on Sunday morning, uh, February 2nd. That's going to be an awesome, awesome time together. There was a lyric in that last song that we sang, lead me in your love to those around me. Last Sunday, we talked about uh, an announcement of our global mission focus for the next three to five years, and that that is going to be in Lebanon. And we said last week that there are a number of reasons why we are sensing God leading us to Lebanon. Uh, it is, there's a huge need there. There's uh, less than 1% of the population has heard of Christ or embraced Christ as their Savior. Um, and Lebanon is a springboard to ministry, potential springboard to ministry to the countries around them that are not nearly as open to people coming in with the good news of, of the gospel. And so we are, we are super excited to, to think about and pray about many of you going on, on these trips, getting mobilized, even many of you who have never been on a mission trip before. We're, we're praying for that. And so I know there's a lot to process, there's a lot to learn, there's a lot to think about. And so this, this month, we are devoting every Sunday morning to, to talking about and giving you more information about Lebanon and our, our plans. And just to remind you, we have a Q&A session after this service. Uh, it's going to be in the conference room, which is to your left. And so if you want to slip over there afterwards, we're going to give you a little bit more detail about uh, timeline and things that we know at this point. There's a lot that we don't know and are still figuring out and praying through, but what we do know, we're going to share uh, some more detail and then invite your questions for things that might be on your mind that maybe we have not addressed yet. So that's going to be happening uh, after this service. And last Sunday, we heard from Austin Delgado, who is the outreach pastor at Riverstone Church, just four miles away from us. And one of the neat things that we discovered as we were researching different options and praying through where God might be leading us, uh, we didn't choose Lebanon for this reason, but it turns out that Riverstone has been doing ministry in Lebanon in the same area that we're going to be going to. They've been there for several years now, so they've kind of paved the way ahead of us. And so it's kind of exciting for us to think about not just partnering with people on the other side of the world, but we get to partner with people right here in our community as we go to the other side of, of the world. So if you missed that interview last week, he talked, Austin talked a lot about the blessings that they have experienced already in going to Lebanon, as well as the challenges. And if you missed that, that, uh, that interview is online and you can go to our missions page on our web, website um, or the media page and you can watch the, the video there. Last week, we focused on the Great Commission Jesus told us to, to go and make disciples of all the nations, of all the, the people groups. And so that's the what. That's what God wants us to do. Today, I want us to think about the why. Why? What, what is the motivation to, to do missions, to do outreach beyond just God said so? I mean, the, we, we can do a lot of things in, in life uh, just out of obligation, out of guilt, out of fear. 
Uh, we can do that with every area of our life, not, not just missions. In fact, you may be here this morning, maybe you're here for the first time, or you're, just, you're exploring faith, and you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, and maybe your frame of reference for religion of any kind is, I just got to figure out what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to not do, and then try to figure out how to toe the line. And what I want to share with you this morning is a, is a motivation that, that's a lot deeper, a lot better, a lot richer than that. And it applies to, to missions and applies to every area of, of our life. And this morning, I want to talk about that motivation and then what that might look, for, look like for us as we head to Lebanon to do ministry. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 22, that's where we're going to be uh, this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one near you on the seats, and it's on page 918. Um, over the years, Grace Point has, had, has targeted several areas in the world to focus on, to, to help carry out our mission, not just here in our community. We want to keep carrying out our mission of helping more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. We want to do that right here in Bucks County but we also want to do that to the ends of the earth, as Jesus has, has called us to. And so, as we've asked God, what, what do you want us to do in the next chapter of our history? We've sensed his leading towards Lebanon. And so that's the what. What are we going to be doing? We're going to be uh, taking the good news to Lebanon. And then we want to talk about the why. We find the why in the great commandment, which we read here in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. One of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So these religious leaders ask Jesus, what, what is the greatest commandment? What's the most important? What's the primary commandment law that we are to keep? There was a great debate. I mean, this is what religious scholars like to do. Philosophical people sit around. Let's just think about things. So what's the greatest? It's kind of like if we asked ourselves, what, what is the most important law for us? If, if we look at our constitution, our laws, our bill of rights, what is the most important thing? If we had to give up everything else, what would be the one that we, we need to keep first and foremost? I mean, would it be right to bear arms, freedom of, of speech, would it be a law around abortion? I mean, what, what would come to your mind is this is the primary one. Jesus answers, he, he's asked what is the greatest. That asks for one answer, but he gives two because they're so tightly connected together and they boil down to love God and love your neighbor. Jesus is going back to the Hebrew scriptures and he's pulling two different scriptures together. The, the first is known as the Shema. So in, in Hebrew, the word Shema means hear. And so in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the great one. That's the primary one. But Jesus says there's one that's so closely related that he has to go on and tie that in. And that one he pulls from the book of Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Leviticus 
is a book, like if you're reading through the Bible in a year, I've heard from a number of you who are reading through the Bible, you're planning to read this this year. If you're reading straight through the Bible, which I don't recommend, actually, I mean, I read some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, a Psalm, a Proverb, get some variety in there. Because if you read straight through the Bible, then you're going to do Genesis and Exodus, and you're going to find lots of really interesting drama in those books. And then you're going to hit Leviticus. And Leviticus is like a bunch of rules and sacrifice and blood and gore. And you're going to be like, oh my goodness, you know, can I just fast forward through this? I mean, that's the kind of the, anyway, at least that's the way I am when I'm reading Leviticus. That's why I read a variety as I'm going through the Bible each year. But Jesus pulls the second greatest commandment that he says is, is just right up there with the first. He pulls it from Leviticus, who knew? So, so you shouldn't skip Leviticus as you're, you're reading through. It's kind of the bottom line of that. But these two commands, love God and love neighbor, summarize the Ten Commandments, if you're familiar with those. So the first four of the Ten Commandments have to do with loving God. So you will have no other God before me. You, you will not, don't, don't use my name lightly. Set aside the Sabbath day and, and keep it holy. Those four, there's four that deal with God. And then the next six, the, the rest of them deal with loving our neighbor. So if I love my neighbor, I will not lie to them. I will not steal from them. I will not commit adultery against them. I will not covet. So all of those are summarized in love God, love neighbor, which actually then summarizes, Jesus says, all of the law. Verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so if you and I were able to keep those two commands perfectly, that's all we would need to worry about. We we wouldn't even have to think about all the other commands because we would just naturally carry out all those commands. Unfortunately, you and I are not able to keep even those two seemingly simple commands perfectly, which is why Jesus had to come so that he could live the perfect life that we cannot, offer his life as a sacrifice in our place so that we could be washed from all of our failure to keep those commands and empowered to do better to keep those things in the future. But we, we depend on his sacrifice of love. He boiled all of the commands down to love. He could have boiled them down maybe to something else. I mean, maybe he could have boiled it down to some kind of sacrifice or or some kind of generosity or, or some kind of, you know, being careful not to violate other people, but he didn't. He boiled them all down to love. And here's why, because you can do the right things without loving people. You, you could, you could toe the line and do what God wants you to do and not do the right thing without loving people, but you can't love without doing the right thing. If we really love, then we're going to naturally act in response to that. And that's the tie between the great commission and the great commandment. Love motivates the mission. Love motivates us in mission. See, it's very different in life when we act out of obligation versus acting out of love. I love the example that uh, Pastor John Piper gives of this when he talks about the fact that uh, on, on, I think it was his 49th anniversary, he came home and he, he bought like a dozen or a couple dozen roses. He said he spent a couple hundred dollars on them, so they, must, they were really nice roses. So he comes home with all of these roses, and instead of just walking in the house, he rings the doorbell 
so that his wife will come and she knows something special is, is going on. And so he like whips out these roses and, and she says, wow, John, this is, this is beautiful. What's, what's going on? I mean, why did you go to all of this trouble? And he said, well, I read in a book that as a husband, you're supposed to give your wife flowers. So here you go. And I also read that you're supposed to treat your wife nicely, so we're going to go out to dinner, and I hope that you'll accompany me so I can get credit for you know, doing what husbands are supposed to do. Now, that's, that's not what he, he did, but if he did that, how do you think that evening would go? I don't think that evening's going to turn out very, very well. So he said, if we rewind that, and he comes home, and he rings the doorbell, and his wife meets him there, and she says, why did you go to all this trouble? And he says, well, I think you're the most special person in the world, and there's nothing I would rather do this evening than spend time with you. That's the difference between doing something out of obligation and duty and, and doing it out of love. And so love needs to be what fuels us as we think about mission, as we think about going to another part of the world. And if love is to be our motivation, then there's three things that we need to understand about love. And so I'll go through these really briefly because then I want us to kind of get a view. I'm going to ask someone to come and help me with this, that, that we are going to get a view of what this can look like, what love can look like in Lebanon. So the first truth that we need to understand about love is that real love starts with God. We are not the initiators. God is. In First in John 4, it says, we love because he first loved us. So we're not the ones who start the love. God loves us, and it's only as we receive his love and are filled with his love that we are able to then love him back and then the people around us. And Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so he's receiving the love from the Father, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I hope as we're entering into a new year, I hope you're carving out time each day to just abide in God's love to just sit and marinate in it and receive it from him because we, the only way we're able to love others is because he first loved us. The second truth is that we can say right things without truly loving others. We can say all the right things. John said this. John wrote a lot about love. He said, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So it's possible to talk a good game, but it's only as it's played out in our lives that love is really communicated to another person. And then the third truth is that we can do right things without, uh, without truly loving others. So we can say right things without truly loving others, and we can do the right things. It can look okay on the outside, but there, it might not be motivated by love. Paul talks about this in the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. So it can all look good on the outside. You can go through the motions. But if your heart is not motivated by love, he says it doesn't, it doesn't count in the end. So real love is our actions and our heart in tandem, tied together. And that's what Jesus talks about in in this great command in verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, with every part of you, all the tangible and intangible. We, we love God, and then it overflows into loving our neighbor. Love motivates mission. So, now the question is, what does this look like in Lebanon? I mean, how do we develop a heart of love for people that we don't know? And how do we learn what to do in action to love people who are in a very different culture, very different life situation than we are? How, how do we figure that out? Well, to help me with that, I'm going to ask Miriam Kern to come and join me. Miriam was part of a trip almost two years ago now to, to Lebanon, uh, four ladies going from, from Grace Point. And so she got to see firsthand what was going on in Lebanon. But even far beyond that, you have a very personal connection to uh, the Middle East, which we'll get to in a minute. But before we do that, just, just give us a snapshot. You're very involved here at Grace Point. You've been here for a while. Give us a snapshot of your family. Um, so I'm married to Eric, and that's my awesome husband. And those are up there with my three kids. I have uh, Noah, who's five, and Jonah, who's three, and baby Lucas, who's now seven months. And baby Lucas looks like he's sleeping up there, but you said that doesn't happen no. as often as you would like for it to. No. I mean, we can pray that baby Lucas will start yeah. sleeping yeah. <laughs> uh, through the night here. So anyway, so your family. So tell us about your, um, your background because you have a very personal connection to the Middle East. Uh, yeah, so um, I was born in Iraq and in Baghdad, and uh, we were part, my family was part of the small percentage of Chaldean Christians there. Uh, my dad served in the army there, and uh, during the first Gulf War, he decided to move our family and flee, uh, so we fled the government in the country, and at the time, the only country that would accept us was Cyprus, so we all moved, my brother, my sister, my mom, uh, and my dad, to Cyprus. Uh, shortly after that, um, he left, and uh, we, we were just refugees in this country that we didn't know. My mom was alone with three kids, uh, and we stayed, lived there for about 10 years. Um, eight years into being there, my mom got really ill, and uh, she needed medical treatment, emergency medical treatment, and was awarded a visa to come to the U.S. for that. Um, but we all, we three kids had to stay back. Um, so we lived there, and uh, yeah, so I have a heart for, I still have a heart for the Middle East, but I, um, yeah, and it's just, I still have family there, and, but it's also neat to be on the other side and see how God uh, worked all of those things in my life for good. And so when you hear about the refugee crisis in Syria or, or wherever it might be, I mean, that, and, and when you got to go and do ministry with with refugees. I mean, that's very, very personal yeah. to you. It's yep. very real. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, as someone who is very connected by your heritage, as you look at the, the Middle East, what, what grips your heart as the greatest needs there? Um, for me, for it's like twofold. It's this, there's a, such a spiritual need and there's the human need. And the, for the spiritual need, um, it's just, you look at that area and it's just so dark. It's, uh, just, you have all these spirit, spiritually devoted people living there, yet there's such a dark stronghold over them that they don't even see or realize. Uh, and on the human side, these, these are like, this part of the world is so devastated from war after war and the people are just so tired and there's just such a great hu human need there too. Um, 
just whether it's a bed or just somebody who can be encouraging or a toothbrush or, um, yeah. And I just think of our time as refugees when we lived in Cyprus where the church took us under their wing um, and gave us food and gave us clothing and just was there encouraging us and seeing us through this big trial in our life was huge. It's just a really big way that we saw Christ in darkness. Um, Yeah. And, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, and we're talking today about love motivating our mission. So as you were there uh, in Lebanon, I mean, what... What did you see and what did you do, you know, that showed love getting communicated to, to these people in need? Um, a couple of things stand out to mind. Um, one of the things that we got to do is we got to visit a, a, a refugee family in Beirut. And uh, we were anticipating seeing, spending time with some women. And uh, so we get to this apartment that looked much like the apartment I lived in when I was uh, in Cyprus. And just a couple of mattresses on the floor and bare walls. And, um, and so while we were talking to these women, the dad had come out. And uh, you could just tell there was this huge weight on him. And, uh, and so he ended up sitting and talking to us. And we were just asking, like, how is life for you? And uh, he just couldn't wait to just unload and um he was so excited to just be able to share his story and we were just sitting there listening and uh encouraging him and his family uh was also taken under the wing of this church and um they most of them had converted from islam to uh, christianity but he was still not quite there yet but he was also so disillusioned with islam Uh, And we had this unique opportunity to get up and pray with him. And I remember thinking, um, just seeing him and just seeing this weight that he had come into the room with initially just lifted off. And uh, it was pretty neat to see see that. And he had said as we were walking out, and he said, this meant more to me than anything. Hmm. Um, So that was really a special way to be able to minister to those people. And another way was we went as a team um, to train leaders of the churches um, to go back and uh, equip them and train other leaders and hopefully expand the, uh, the growth of that church. And one way we could have, we did, we could care for these women was we wanted to pamper them. And as we women know, like it's nice to be pampered. Um, so uh, our team of America women uh, did manis and petties. And uh, it's a simple thing, but it just meant so much. And I remember sitting there and uh, we were just scrubbing these tired feet. And uh, one of the women in Arabic was talking to her friend and she said, Hada shon hub, which in Arabic means what kind of love is this? And uh, she was just so, like, taken aback. And it just reminded me of the kind of love that Jesus shows for us, the way he knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. And it's just so neat to be invited to be able to do that. I just think, thank you, Jesus. It's such an honor to serve him that way in just such a small way. So I think that's, I love that <laughs> scene there with, with that lady who recognized that this is love that's yeah. motivating you. So it's not just, okay, we're doing something out of obligation again, yeah. but the love really, really came through. And I love the two <laughs> examples that you gave too, because the, the manicure, pedicure thing is like a thing to do. And I think that's generally where our minds go. I think when we think about going to do missions is what can we build? What can we fix? What can we do with our hands? And yet the other story that you told with talking to this, this gentleman is, you know, you, just by listening, 
I mean, and just by caring for him, you were, you were bringing hope. So there's just so many different ways to communicate that love. I love, I, I, I love that. So what, what excites you as you think about us as a church on a broader level? You, you went with four ladies last time, mm-hmm. but us as a whole church going, what excites you about that and going to Lebanon? Um, I just think it's so exciting to be able to do this as a church. And I think, you know, God doesn't need us. It's such a dark place, yet he's, he can still break through. You hear of these people having visions there, and he can break, I mean, he's God. Um, it, but what's neat is that he just invites us to do it with him, and I think of uh, him meeting Paul on the road to, Saul on the road to Damascus, and thinking, you know, tra- being transformed into Paul, and being invited to go and do God's work to the ends of the earth. I think that is the privilege. That is what uh, we get the honor of doing, just to be to partake in God's mission and grand plan. And, um, and we just get to see God work in ways that we can't even imagine. Um, and that's pretty neat. And just, too, as a church, being able to connect to each other. I mean, we are all, uh, he made us unique, and we're all gifted in so many different ways to think of how he could use that to, for his glory, you know, and just to see our church strong and united is pretty neat. So we're hoping to get as many people as possible involved and mobilized for this. But what would you say, as we close here, what would you say to the person who's listening to all of this and thinking, wow, I I don't know if this is for me because that culture is so very different. There's these safety, risky kind of things I just don't know about. I mean, what what would you say to that person? Um, Honestly, when um, Ellen Livinggood first asked me to go, I said no (laughs) I was scared and I'm from there and I have had at the time two kids and I didn't want to go and she urged me to just pray about it and so I spent the next two weeks really praying and um just thinking about you know what does it mean for me to have faith when I'm not willing to go and the the can the I just had to contend with my faith faith versus my fear and I realized you know, having this fear is creating this gap, a big gap in my faith. And uh, after praying about it, I just really felt compelled to let that fear go and let God work. And once I did, I, I just felt this peace come over me and say, you know, I'm just going to go. I, I know that we have a God that loves us. And I know that he has a, I have a God that loves me and my family. And, uh, and once I let that go, I really, it was neat to see how God transfer in my life, my faith, and, um, and even for my family to be able to witness me going was um, huge for me. And to also realize, like, we have wise leaders and uh, leaders who prayerfully do everything and, uh, know, and consult, and they're not unwise. And it's just to need to be under their leadership, too, and to just trust that God, God is in control of it all. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Miriam, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing in words and even in your example. Uh, It's really an inspiration to us. So let's thank thank, uh, Miriam for being here with us. So so love motivates the, the mission. True love starts with God, fills us up, then overflows back to him and back to the people 
uh, around us, back to our neighbor. Just want to remind you about the Q&A. So Q&A is happening in just a couple of minutes uh, after we, the band is going to come and lead us in a final song. And then when we're dismissed, you can head over there if you want to participate in that Q&A. The other thing that I would invite all of us to participate in, even if you're not going to the Q&A, is to begin praying with us for the next 21 days. We want to pray together as a congregation over all of this and just ask God for his continued leading and guidance. So we have some prayer points put together for you over the next 21 days. And so we have some printouts of this. If you'd like it in a paper form, you can stop by our next steps and pick it up. We're also posting it. It's posted now on our blog. And we're also going to be sending it out via via our GP news and our GP prayer list. And so we want to get these prayer points into your hands. We're going to start tomorrow to pray together and just be praying in unity, asking God to continue leading and guiding our steps. Let's stand now and, and we're going to sing as we go out today, just, just singing and, and remembering that the work is not done. There's more yet to do and God's calling us to be part of it.